That's what we're going to have to do. Just purpose in our heart. I don't care if everybody around me quits and it's just me. I'm going and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to serve God. Right? Now, unless, unless one of you get this virus and then I ain't coming. But so long as y'all stay healthy. No, I'm kidding. That's what it's going to take to make a difference, right? It's going to take me and you uh, just getting along with God and trying to do what's right in these last days until the stars fall. Just do right. So in verse chapter number two of the book of First Peter, we see all the things that we're, he's asked us to do. He follows a, a fairly normal pattern. Paul sets doctrine out before he sets duty. And Peter seems to lay out blessings before he lays out the expectation. He tells you, look at what all God's done for you. Now, here's what you are expected to do. And follows that pattern fairly well throughout 1 Peter. But we get down to verse number 3. You've tasted the Lord's gracious. And verse 4, to whom coming is unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, uh, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God by one way, and that's only by Jesus Christ. And so verse 6, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Never be ashamed, never regret it, never wish they didn't do it. Uh, verse number seven, unto you therefore which believe, he's precious to God, but he's also precious to us. Jesus is precious to us that are redeemed, that are born again. I'm an independent fundamental Baptist through and through, but I'm not in this thing for the independent fundamental Baptist. Jesus is precious to me. It's Jesus that made a difference in my life. This is what he's going to go on to say. We'll get to the message. But he's going to go on to tell them, I'm laying this chief cornerstone, and he's a stumbling block to them that are disobedient. To some people, he's the Savior. He's precious. He's wonderful. But to those that be disobedient, they will stumble at this stumbling block. Uh, they will never see the blessedness of being saved by grace through faith. They'll always stumble at what God's laid before them. And what the Jews did back in their day is they sought it not by faith, but of works. In those verses that he lays out there, he talks about they stumbled at this stumbling block because they could not fit Jesus. Jesus into their temple. Uh, their temple was made of dead stones. The only life was between the wings of the cherubs. There was no life. It was the Shekinah glory of God. There was just a dead temple that was laid in stones and uh, there was no life in that temple. It was dead and uh, now Jesus has come and Jesus is uh, the elect one precious who was chosen of God who stood as a lamb slain before the foundation of this world. And Jesus come through the uh, womb of that virgin girl sacrifices thou wouldest not but a body hast thou prepared me. Jesus came in a body, gave himself and through the uh, eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God. And then he was, was buried and raised for our justification. But all they saw was the physical because they were always looking to their own works, their own laws, to how good they were. And, and they weren't looking at Jesus as he truly was the savior of all men. That by him, if any man believe, then he can be righteous. That's the only way today 
today that any man will be forgiven of his sins is through Jesus Christ and him alone. You'll never do good enough to lose it. You'll never do good enough to gain it. You'll never do good. You can't work your way in. It's all by grace through faith. And it always has been by grace through faith. And it will always be grace through faith. It'll always be faith. And nobody will stand in the uh, last days. And uh, that book I was telling you about that I read by the very hyper dispensational uh, book that kind of messed me up there in the first part of my Christian life uh, and, and how I viewed scripture. And uh, I didn't realize this, but that man came back and, and repented of all of that, said he didn't believe any of that anymore, wrote a second book. Now that's a blessing because that book was messed up. Because he said in the last day when Jesus comes, the tribulations on the earth, men will once again, it'll be by the law, by works. Salvation will be by works. If you believe that, you're crazy. There is no man going to work his way in. In that time, in the past, or right now, the only way that you will be delivered from the darkness you are in is through one man whose name is Jesus Christ. Look at the focus of 1 Peter chapter 2. The focus is upon this man, this chief cornerstone that God's going to lay, that if any man fall upon him, he'll be broken. But if this was to fall on you, he shall grind you to powder. And uh, this is what is being foretold. It's many scriptures. I won't go back to it. I, I, I considered uh, going back and looking at all the times in the Old Testament uh, that this was being referred to. There's Ephesians 2, Romans 9, Matthew 21, Isaiah 28, Psalm 118, Acts 4.11. There are so many verses talking about that very thing, how that Christ is the chief cornerstone of a new building, a new and a living temple. So we're not an old dead temple anymore. Now it seems like that in here sometimes. It seems like an old dead temple, uh, but it should not be. We are alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, and we are not set in temples anymore. And 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 God is not confined to the uh, to the between the wings of the cherubs any longer. Uh, God has taken up residence inside of His priests. We're not only the ones officiating in it; we are the temple itself, and the priest officiating in it. We are who filleth all in all. We are. Uh, you and I are the embodiment of the Holy Ghost. The God of heaven lives inside of you and I. And this is what we are. And this, what are you getting at, Brother Clay? Well, that's about the same thing I've been harping on for a couple of weeks now. Is that we cannot view ourselves any longer in the manner in which we try to view ourselves. I want to show you something here in this next verse to help me. Let, let's go on. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. In verse number 7. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. Unless, unless, I, I need to make money. Unless, somebody offends me. Unless, I don't see any unless is there, do you? I don't see any buts. I don't see any excuse areas in which you can say, well, yeah, Jesus is precious, but. If he's precious to you, that means he's more valuable than anything else in this world to you. He, he is your, your king, your, your, your number one, your all in all, your everything. He is your life. Jesus is your life. Jesus is not something that God gave to mankind to add to our life as some sort of seasoning. That's the way we treat Jesus. Jesus is, is something I can, I can have to make my life better. Is that not the way modern day Christianity teaches Jesus now? You want, you want your best life now? 
I wonder if Paul had his best life now when he was shipwrecked all them times. I wonder if Jesus even had his best life now. Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests where the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I wonder if Peter felt like he had his best life now hanging upside down on a cross. I wonder if Paul felt like he was having his best life now when he was five times received now 40 stripes save one in perils of the city, in peril of my own countrymen, in peril of my brethren, in peril of false brethren. I was in peril all the time. Yet when I'm weak, I'm strong. That's what he said. He wasn't having his best life now. He traded in his best life now for his best life then. Looking for those things that are internal. Laying up themselves treasures in heaven where malls can't corrupt it and thieves can't steal it. You know why you're so dissatisfied? You're too settled down here. You're too interested in what's going on down here. That's why we're so dissatisfied. A heavenly being, a spiritual holy priest, can never be satisfied with temporal, vain, earthly things. But is that not what we do? Try to satisfy ourselves. We'll sit and watch TV. Has that ever satisfied anybody? Makes me depressed every time I watch the news. I've never heard them say one thing that makes me happy. Watch Andy Griffith, and that don't even make me happy. I laugh a little bit at it sometimes. I'm sure somebody will find something to preach on that against that too, I'm sure. But I've never been satisfied with those things. They're all earthly. They're all temporal. Some people have looked for the opposite sex to try to find some sort of satisfaction, some sort of completement, some sort of... And those things are necessary in life and they're a wonderful thing. But that's not what we need to be saying. What's going to satisfy people? Look at, look, look, look at what we are. How, how can we ever expect to be satisfied with anything else in this world when you are a nation, a holy nation? The pleasure of sin for a season will never satisfy you. Nobody will ever know it. If I, think, if I can just have this one thing, nobody will ever know. And I'll be, you'll, you're so deceived. You, nobody may never find it out, but it'll find you out. It'll destroy you. I may never know about it. Your mom and dad may never know about it. But there's an all-seeing eye of God who runs to and fro throughout the earth, beholding the good and the evil. And he knows all about it. But let alone that, you'll never be satisfied with that. If you're a Christian, you've been ruined for this world. Now that's quite contrasting modern day preaching of who Jesus is and what he is. But Jesus uh, being precious to me and you, we're a nation of priests. We're a holy people. What else is going to satisfy a nation of priests, a holy, peculiar people that have been purchased by God? What should we be doing? You know what satisfies me? Hallelujah, glory to God, amen. Sing it, Brother Reed. Preach it, Brother whoever. <laughs> Preaching the Bible, singing. Those things are satisfying to me because that's what I am. If you're a Christian, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not that we don't have a flesh and we don't do things too. We do. God have mercy on us. We certainly do. From the pulpits to the pews, there's problems in here today. But I'm saying I've been ruined for this world. I don't find the satisfaction, the contentment. I don't, it's never fulfilling to me to seek anything that's below. Because I'm not of the earth. I'm not, I'm not earthy. There's a part of me that's been born of God. He's a spiritual being. I'm a spiritual person. God lives in me. I'm a temple of the Holy Ghost of God. 
You're bought with a price, which you are of God. God lives inside of you. Those things will never satisfy you. They'll never, uh, I'm talking to the Christian now this morning. You will never uh, be satisfied. Seek you first the kingdom of God and all those things will be added. And his righteousness, those things will be added. See, we're always seeking the blessings and we leave off the blesser. We're seeking him now because everybody's scared they're going to die. If you're saved, there's nothing to be afraid of. Some glad morning when this life is over. That's what we're happy. We're, now, none of us are trying to rush it through. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but we want to see Jesus. Don't we? Far better. It's far better. So if you're a Christian in here this morning, by taking a look, no wonder I'm so unhappy. No wonder it grieves me to hear music uh, that's not uh, uh, spiritual songs and hymns and spiritual songs. No wonder that grieves you. If it doesn't, I'd be worried about where I was with God. Because there's something in you that just know you may listen to it, but it certainly, it, it, it ought to grieve something in you. It's born of God. I'm not saying you won't do things wrong. Heavens forbid. We don't have time to stand up in here and number all the, we've probably done wrong this week from the pulpits to the pews. That's not the point. The point is there's somebody living in me now that is exactly this right here in this next verse. And I don't want to go into, but here, here's why in verse number eight, if you're in here this morning and you're lost, can I say something? Here's something about Jesus in verse number eight. The Bible says, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. They weren't appointed to be disobedient. They were appointed to stumble. Anybody that's disobedient to the, to the word of God is going to stumble. They're going to, here's what one verse said in the Old Testament. They stagger around like a drunk man in the dark. They cannot find their way. That is the average description of a lost man if I've ever heard one. It's they go from this to that to this to that. They don't have any direction. They have no way. They're in darkness. Here's what he's going to go and talk about this darkness. A man that's in darkness, he has no light in his life. Everything's dark. Do you remember when you were lost? Do you remember what life was like? It was just a dark life. It just, there wasn't any joy in it. There was no light in it. Everything was dark. And now it's like you have to really work hard at it if you want to get depressed and dark. Now, because Jesus is in your life, we do it, but we certainly deserve it because we turn to the things that we were never meant to turn to. We weren't meant to be satisfied with the world. That's why we're depressed now. Because we filled our lives with the world. And we wonder why we're not the spirit, as spiritual as we used to be. Because we've left off the Bible. We've left off worship of God. And that's why we come in here half the time and it's dead. Because we feel the entire week's been full of the world. And then we think we can come in here for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning and get spiritual. That's not going to happen. We know how to do the rituals. We know how to go through the ABCs, but it will never really be a, 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 a reality in our hearts until it's a reality at home. It won't be a reality here until it's a reality five days a week. It won't be the other two, right? <coughs> and that's what we should be doing because verse, verse number eight, if you're, if you're lost, um, the, Jesus is, is something it seemed like I remember when I was lost, I remember, uh, you know, Jesus would be preached, but I had no intentions of obeying the gospel. I have every intentions of using him to get me out of a mess, but I'm going to go right back to what I was doing once he delivers me from the mess I made. And I stumbled at that. 
It brought confusion in my life. Because I thought I could just say and go through the ABCs and repeat the prayer. And then I'd get up and Jesus would fix all my problems and everything and be okay. And I could go back to doing what I've always done. I stumbled at that. That brought no grounding in my life. In fact, by Sunday night, I was the same way I'd always been. And by Monday, it was all over. I'd cry and get right back up and go to my seat, unchanged, never changed a moment. I was the same person. I knew I was going back to what I'd always done. But I sure wanted out of the consequences. That's not the way God operates. That's not how salvation is. That's why we exhort you young people all the time to give it all to the Lord now. Don't hold on to anything. There's nothing in this world worth holding on to. We've had it. And none of it's been worth holding on to. I wish I knew then what I know now. Don't you? I'd have gotten saved a lot earlier. I'd have got saved a long time ago. So don't lose your soul. Don't lose your, you know, the Bible says, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? I've seen people give a lot of things. I've seen a man be told you don't have to give up drinking. And in three weeks, he died a drunk on his toilet. I've known people that, that have sold it out because they couldn't stay away from pills. I've seen people sell out their own soul for, for anything. Very little. You'd be ashamed what, what people would be willing to reject Jesus for. Can I ask you this? Has it been worth it? If you've thought about it, if you're in here and you're lost, can I ask you this? Has it been worth what you knew God put his finger on and you knew that you had to give up and repent of and you decided not to and you went back to it and you know in your heart that God was dealing with you about it and you didn't give it up? Was it worth it? How about you, Christian, that's saved? And, God, and we keep hanging on to those things. He said, lay aside the weights and the sins that easily beset us. God deals with us about something, and we don't deal with the matter, and we know we're going to go back to it, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. Has it been worth it? What you've lost spiritually, has it been worth what you thought you've gained and that thing you wouldn't turn loose of? I can answer emphatically for myself, no. It never has. It's cost me every time. Can I talk to you seriously for just a moment if you're not saved? I can't think of anything in this world worth dying for. I mean, you, you know it at any moment. And when you start thinking, Brother Reed, about this virus, it is scary. If you think you could just be, you could just be sitting there. I started thinking back of the missionaries that we know. Every one of us could be infected with that thing because somebody come in here that was in another country. Who knows? And we didn't know anything. We just showed up to worship God. And next thing we know, we'd be in the hospital. It is scary to think about. It ought to scare us. It ought to sober us up to think about. We could die at any moment. We're a dying people. And can I ask you seriously, are you ready to face God? So you're just trying to scare people like the media. If I could scare you into getting saved, I'd do it. But that's impossible. In fact, paradise called Abraham's bosom. He's carried in Abraham's bosom. And he said, if they won't believe the preaching, basically, 
They wouldn't believe if a person was raised from the dead. I could have the, uh, uh, give, God give me the power, open a floor, uh, hole up in this floor and have somebody raised up out of the dead. And you'd still no more believe Jesus than me standing here preaching to you. So if I could scare you, I would, but that ain't going to do it. That'd scare me if I seen somebody come up out of the ground. It'd scare me to death. I'm out of there. Could you imagine that? But Jesus, the Bible said God chose the foolishness of preaching that it might be by faith. Not of works. So it's no longer signs and wonders. Do you just believe preaching? Do you believe? I'm standing up here as a, as a preacher that God's called and put into the ministry. And I'm telling you that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He went to an old rugged cross, was, was, gave up his own life on the tree, was buried and rose again that you might be saved. Do you believe that? What about some of you young people? Do you really believe that? If mom and dad died, do you, would you believe that enough to come back here? What if, nobody, what if nobody made you come? And you just had the choice. You could do whatever you wanted to with it. Would you young people still serve Jesus? How about it? Is Jesus precious to you? He said here he's a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense to them which stumble at the word being disobedient. Whereunto they're also pointed. Verse number nine, but ye. You like that little butt right there? What is it that, was it Billy Kelly that said, I'm sure a lot of preachers have said it. They love it when God butts in. And I have to say amen to that. There was a time in my life and I was going doing my own thing, going my own way, making a mess of life and everything around me, and God butted in. And I thank God for that day. And it became the most precious thing in my life. When I thought that everything was fine, everything was okay, God loved me enough to show me the truth about where I was. That was a blessed day. And God invaded my life. I didn't ask him to. I know I've said it a lot. And I, I was, I, I, many of you have heard it before, but I just, it's, it's about the only thing I know for sure, Brother Hicks, I know this much. The last thing I told this woman sitting right over there and my mother was there was no God. And in three days, God had me down on my face crying out to the same God I said didn't exist. What did I do? God invaded my life and drew me to himself. I still could have said no. Thank goodness I didn't. I just wanted Jesus. How about you? Many of you have got a testimony. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, that's my, one of my greatest fears these days. We are trying to get people to be faithful to Christ and do the things that we're instructed to do who don't have the life of God in them. And so they're frustrated at us. They're frustrated with themselves. They're frustrated with, I promise you, I wanted to be a good person when I was lost. 
Am I not telling it right? Amber, I tried everyone. I, tried, I don't know how many times I tried to go to church with you guys. But it wasn't in me to do that. I was a leper trying to change his own spots. And by Monday morning, I'd be back doing what a leper does. Now, I think that's one of the most frustrating places to be in. I'm not attacking you at all. I hope you don't think that because I've been there. One of the most frustrating things is trying to live as a royal priesthood and a holy nation and a peculiar people when you don't have Jesus Christ living inside you. You cannot do it. You'll be frustrated your whole life. See the difference there? But ye, the disobedient people, they stumble at those things. But ye, it's not so. You're a chosen generation. Now that's not talking about a time period. We are a different species, a new race of human beings. That's what that's talking about. A chosen generation a peculiar people, a holy priesthood. Is that what you are? Can I ask you that this morning? We'll go home. I didn't get again to where I wanted to go. But can I just say just a couple of things as we have looked at um, our peculiarity, how that we are peculiar people. You should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can I say something that's extremely difficult? And I don't, I don't mean to be uh, crude in any way whatsoever. Uh, but you can't show forth the praises of him that's called you out of darkness if you're still in darkness. Right? And some people, it, 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 and that's the difficult thing. I, I, I tried that so hard. And, and when I would try to go to church and I would try to do these things, I was trying to show forth a light that I didn't have. I was still in darkness. It wasn't native to me. Light wasn't native to me. That's what darkness is, the absence of light. And you who were sometimes darkness, now are you light in the Lord. Now it just comes naturally. I don't have to stop myself from doing it so people think I'm dignified sometimes when I'm not. Amen. <laughs> that come from where I expected it to come from. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? You, you have to calm yourself. You have to control yourself. It's native to you now. The light's native. And now... <coughs> I would not come to the light lest my deeds would be reproved because I didn't want to be made manifest by the light. Now I come to the light. I come to it and I say, God, show me what should not be there. You who are sometimes darkness, show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness. If he's called you out of darkness, please tell me why in your Christian life you have not showed forth the praises and telling people how God called you out of darkness. What happened? Maybe you got cold and indifferent and stop it. Get to doing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> sometimes that's easier said than done. But it may be because you've never been born again. Maybe you never have been saved. And so you can't show forth the praises of him because you're still in darkness. Because God's people ought to be showing this world not fear, not anxiety, not sin, not anything else, but showing forth the praises of the God of heaven who called us out of darkness. That's what we are supposed to be doing. 
not arguing and fussing and fighting and, and we're trying to preserve everything else in this world. We're trying to make sure our houses are okay, our cars are okay, our 401k. I look at that 401k, I wish I'd have never looked at it the other day. Like to tore me in half. That's all I got now is that 401k I had left over from, and that's the way my mind was thinking. I was going, Clint, hold on here a minute. God's retirement package is in heaven. Now, they don't make it any easier to watch that thing go. But that's not what it's about. We're working so hard to try to make sure everything else in our life, and then we're leaving off the very thing that God saved us for, and that's to tell this world there's a Jesus who can bring peace into your soul, who can take you out of the darkness of sin and put you into the marvelous, glorious light of God. That's what's most important. And look, he's going to follow that up after we've looked at we're priests, we're peculiar, we've seen our place. We'll get down, we can't do it, we'll do it tonight. We're going to get down to how that we're a people. Isn't that something? Look at verse 10, which in times past were not a people, but are now, not shall be, we are now the people of God. Can I say something? Verse number nine precedes verse number 10. If you are going to be successful in your Christian life, you're going to have to focus more intently on what you are than what you were. What you are now is where your focus should be, not on what you were back then. You can't do nothing about that. It's under the blood. It's over with. I, I wasted the first two or three years of my Christian life, just tore all to pieces about what I had done. It still bothers me sometimes. But you've got to focus. Look at what's so much more. Look at what's made. It's the fact that you're a people. So much more emphasis is made on what you are now than to dwell on the past, which in times past, yes, you were not a people. Yes, you were in darkness, but now you're light. Now you're chosen. Now you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar bought people. You're the people of God. Now I'm going to end on that little encouraging note that we're people. That's what we are today. So when we go home and we get going this week and we get our minds on everything else, here's the first thing we've got to remember. We are the people of God. We are a spiritual group of people that's born from heaven. We are the people of God. That's number one. Before you're anything else in this world, before you're a son, before you're a daughter, before you're a husband, before you're a wife, before anything else in this world, you are the people of God. So yes, yes, in times past we were darkness. Let's go as past as yesterday. Maybe you did fail yesterday. Are you still the people of God? If you've been saved, you are. So you can dwell on that all day if you want to. You can, you can depress yourself about all that if you want to. But I say you ought to just stay right there in verse number 9 and say, By the grace of Almighty God, I didn't deserve it, but I'm a royal priest, a nation, a member, a citizen of heaven, of the household of God. That's what I am. Don't let the devil tell you, no, you're, you're a this. You doubted yesterday. You didn't read your Bible yesterday. You didn't pray yesterday. You're a failure. Yeah, yesterday you was a failure probably. I was too. 
But I'm defined by what God defines me as, and I am a person of God. Smile. Let that cheer you up some. See, I'm done. It's 10 after. But see, you'll never go forward destroying yourself about what you have been. You've got to look at what you are. And which in time passed on people, let me just finish that verse. But now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So you can destroy yourself for all that if you want to. But as far as I know, what it's saying there is you've obtained mercy. God's forgive you for all that. So Brother Clint, I messed up yesterday. did Did you pray and ask God forgive you? God doesn't require you get in a telephone booth and say 10 Hail Marys to somebody. And just, he is faithful and just forgive us of our sins. What the Bible said. Did you bow your head and ask God to forgive you? Then he's forgive you and you need to stop it. You're destroying yourself over things that even God himself has chosen not to remember against you anymore. If so be that you have tasted of him. If you're not saved, if you're not saved... I can't say that about you. Your sin remaineth. You're still in darkness. You've not been forgiven. If you're not in Christ, none of what I just said is true. Just because it's true doesn't mean it's true in you. It has to be appropriated by faith. If you trust Christ, that will be true in you. You can be forgiven, sins washed away, and you can be of the people of God. If you want to be. See, I believe the responsibility is on people. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Is that not what he said? So the problem seems like the breakdowns with you not believing on his son. So I just ask you simply, Jesus Christ, how that he was buried and he rose again and died for you. Do you believe on him? Lord, we love you. Help us as we come back tonight and look further into the Word of God. But we ask you as we're gathered here this morning, I want to thank you for every person that's taken their time to come be with us today and to hear the preaching. I pray you just take the message, work it deep into the heart of some person may be here lost. That this may be the day that they choose to turn from all of the darkness And let Christ Jesus translate them into the kingdom of his dear son. We know you can do it, Lord. You've done it for every saved person in here. And so I want to thank you publicly on our behalf. Thank you for saving us. None of us merited anything from you. You chose to love us, and we are thankful. But I ask you to change some soul that's in here today that you spoke to about salvation. And we'll praise you. Thank you for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to stand to your feet just a moment.